due to the graphic nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Episodes may include discussion of abuse, murder, sexual assault, and other incidents that some people may find offensive. We'd advise extreme caution for children under 13. The headlines read loud and clear. Maureen's eyes welled up with tears as she read. She could not believe that even decades later, the horrors she went through as a teenager could repeat itself. That history would repeat itself. This time, the victim wasn't as lucky. I'm Stephanie Hurft, an investigative journalist and true crime enthusiast. Every Tuesday, I'll be taking a deeper look into some of the most famous and infamous true crime mysteries that took place right here in Sri Lanka. From serial killers to love stories that ended in gruesome deaths to even exorcism and the occult, this show leaves no stone unturned in sharing the most gruesome true crime stories to come from this island we call home. Unsolved, bone-chilling, murders that will have you screaming. This is Murder, She Cried, an original podcast from Paradigm. Maureen wouldn't call herself lucky. She was lucky to be alive after what she endured but she didn't feel alive. Even three decades later, since her encounter at the age of 15, the terrors of her childhood still haunted her. Insomnia crept up to her every night as she recalled the ghosts of her past. And now, It's happened again, this time in the year 2021, in the quiet village of Delgoda Gampaha. 36-year-old Farah believed that her nine-year-old daughter, Fatima Rifka, was possessed by a demon. She, upon the recommendation of her neighbors decided to take her to the home of a village exorcist based in the village of Migahavatta. The village exorcist was known throughout the area for her powers of expelling demons. Yet there was much controversy surrounding her services. She had a history of her own. Her exorcism attempts had previously led to both physical abuse 
and mental trauma. Farah had visited the exorcist's home on February of 2021 with nine-year-old Fatima Rifka. The exorcist proceeded to pour oil on the head of the child and began to hit little Rifka with a cane over and over and over again. In an attempt to chase away the demon that they believed possessed Rifka. Residents of the neighborhood heard the child's cries for help. They rushed to the scene in an attempt to save the child from this ritual. Yet they were too late. Nine-year-old Fatima Rifka lost consciousness during the cruel ritual and sadly passed away upon admission to hospital. Both her mother and her exorcist were arrested for the death and abuse of the young child. The tragic death of little Rifka made worldwide news. So did the cruel acts of her abusers, witches, shamans and exorcists, otherwise known in Sri Lankan culture as Khattadiyas, are often approached by vulnerable people looking for answers. And it wasn't just voodoo or shamanic rituals that preyed on the vulnerable. It was religious leaders as well. Sri Lanka alone had seen religious leaders such as Matthew Pires in the 1970s who was said to pray on vulnerable women at his healing services at St. Paul's Church, Kinsey Road. Father Matthew Pires was an exorcist who would sexually abuse young girls that he would perform exorcisms on. And he was just one of the few religious leaders who were caught in the act. Maureen put down the newspaper she was reading. She had relived enough of her trauma for one night. She glanced at her clock. It was one 13 a.m. and Maureen's mind still raced a thousand miles an hour. She was having flashbacks. Maureen was only 15 years old when the unspeakable happened.
It was December of 1991 when Maureen set off to her family's ancestral home in Kalmune, 44 kilometers away from Patiklo. Time spent at their estate in Kalmune were where the five siblings spent the happiest of their childhood. Maureen and her siblings soon settled into their shared rooms in their family home. The first week of December was when their family would huddle at the kitchen table, playing Christmas carols while they helped their nana cut fruits for her Christmas cake. This year was no different. That is, until all hell broke loose. It all began three days after their arrival. During an afternoon nap, Maureen woke up to a loud thud. She opened her eyes and gasped as she saw a young boy peer at her through her window, yet scurried away as soon as he noticed she had awoken. Maureen screeched, jumped up from her bed and ran after the queer figure, trying to identify who it was. The boy jumped over the wall of their home into the adjoining house and Maureen called out to her neighbors trying to warn them. She raced to her nana and told her what had happened. Her grandmother, though disturbed, calmed her down and assured her she would check with the neighbors. Murti Vendati Nona said Sandhya with a haughty expression on her face. Sandhya was recently employed by her grandmother. The children disliked Sandhya as she was often nosy and they would catch her rummaging through their belongings. Murti is the servant boy next door child. Nana said annoyed. Maureen soon heard voices on the other side of the wall argue as her grandmother went over to inform the neighbors that their servant boy Murti was trespassing and that was the first of many encounters with Murti. Maureen would lock her windows at night and draw her curtains as she would often catch Murti peering over the wall, a gleeful look of amusement on his face. She would tell her grandmother of it, yet every time the neighbors were informed, Murti would just grow more bold. It was the second week of December when Maureen's belongings started to disappear. First, it was her hairbrush and later it was her clothing. She didn't think too much of it as her siblings 
would often steal or borrow her clothes. It was 18th December 1991 when things began to go impossibly wrong. It was around 6 p.m. when Maureen suddenly felt like she had no control over her body. She felt lifeless. She could see her arms fling around and her mouth scream loud, frothing, yet she had no control. She could see her Nana cry in shock as she could not fathom what was happening to her granddaughter. Maureen could see her younger brothers trying to hold her down while she was disconnected from all feeling. She heard voices. Maureen felt fear as she had no control over what was happening to her. The whole ordeal lasted two hours and when Maureen finally regained control of her body, she wept helplessly, apologizing to everyone around her. The village doctor was summoned, yet he had no diagnosis. The rest of the night, Maureen was calm. She was herself back to normal, yet she could not stop thinking about the voices. When the clock struck 6 p.m. the next day, she lost all control of her limbs again. She could see her hands pulling at her own hair, yet she could not feel it. She heard the voices again, and as she looked at herself, she noticed a glint in her eye that was not her. Rumors crept around the village about Maureen's possession. Maureen would lock herself in a room at 6 p.m. every day, waiting for her usual fit of rage, and every day, like clockwork, she would lose control. She would hear the voices. She would see a glint behind her eyes. Her grandmother was upset as no doctor could diagnose what was wrong with Maureen. It wasn't long until the truth behind Maureen's condition began to unravel. Maureen's brother Brian was buying groceries at the corner shop one afternoon when he heard his grandmother's servant, Sandhya and Murthy giggling near a parked bike, scheming with their friends. What Brian overheard shocked him. Brian hurried home to tell his family of the conversation 
he had just overheard at the market. The story was finally out. Murthy had bribed their servant girl, Sandhya, to steal a strand of Maureen's hair from her hairbrush. Murthy was attracted to Maureen and wanted her to fall in love with him the wrong way. Yet, as he was just a servant boy, Maureen didn't look his way. So Murthy devised a plan. He took her strand of hair to the village shaman or Katadia to charm her into falling in love with him through black magic. Yet his charm had gone wrong and Maureen had been cursed. A curse of grave effects. The curse of possession. Maureen's grandmother fired her servant Sandhya immediately and she left in a fit of rage of her own. As Sandhya left their home, she yelled out to them in Singhali's filth. 6 p.m. came around and Maureen this time was cursing, frothing at her mouth. Her grandmother had called the priest at her church who rebuked the evil spirit that came with her curse. He sprinkled holy water on Maureen and Maureen screamed as the entity left her body. One hour later, Maureen was back to normal. This time, Maureen felt a whole lot lighter. She rested through the night peacefully until she heard a knock on her window. She jumped up from her mattress in fear. Her windows were locked, but the knocking grew louder. She screamed when her room door burst open, and there stood Sandhya, holding a sharp tool from her grandmother's garden. Maureen screamed, yet Sandhya put a finger on her lips, hushing her, signaling her to stay quiet while pointing the sharp tool at her neck. Sandhya walked over to the window where she opened it and in jumped two men. One she recognized as Murthy and the other was an elderly man in a white banyan who she did not recognize. Murthy held Maureen by the neck while Sandhya locked her room door and the elderly man took out a piece of rope. As he tied Maureen to her bed, Murthy looked into 
her eyes, that same menacing grin on his face, one hand pulling on her hair. Maureen was petrified. Sandhya locked the door and plucked another strand of Maureen's hair off her head and handed it over to the elderly man. Mepara Hariyata Karanda, Murthy said to the man, this time get it right. The man took out a rusty chain and started chanting. Maureen cried out in pain as he struck her ankles full force with a heavy rusty metal chain over and over and over again whenever he would end his chant. Her strand of hair was tied up with a piece of thread and fastened onto Murthy's wrist. By the fifth chant and beating, Maureen was in unbearable pain, half unconscious. Suddenly, the man's chants stopped, yet she could hear screams, voices. She heard the elderly man scream, Umbo, Umbo. She felt someone stroke a cheek and heard Brian's gentle voice beside her before she passed out. Maureen woke up two days later in a hospital recovering from her ordeal. She was thankful her younger sister saw Sandhya entering her home and rushed to tell her brothers, who, upon discovering their sister's room was locked, devised a plan to burst through the door with the rest of the villagers, so their family would not be outnumbered. Murthy explained to police that he did it for love. Since Murthy's first attempt at a charm to make Maureen fall in love with him went horribly wrong and cursed her. The trio devised a plan to break into Maureen's home, chase the demon who had inhabited her during this curse and attempt to charm her a second time so she would fall in love with Murthy. Maureen was the lucky one. I am the lucky one, Maureen would tell herself every night after she locked up her home. I am the lucky one, she would tell herself after every sleepless night. I am the lucky one, she would tell herself as her demons came back to haunt her every night for 30 years. I am the lucky one. Thank you for listening. 
Tune in next week as we bring you a brand new true crime. If you like this show, follow at Paradigm Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Murder, She Cried, hosted by Stephanie Hurft, is a Paradigm original. It's executive produced by Zeeshan Akram Jabir. Podcast cover art by Randita Philip with production assistance by Rajit Malikaspe. This episode of Murder, She Cried was researched, written, and fact-checked by Stephanie Hurft. To hear more from me, follow me at Steffi Hurft on Instagram and TikTok. The source material for all episodes on this podcast comes from a team of researchers who use publicly available information and verified accounts from people who were alive during the said period. If you would like to get in touch, please write to info at paradigm.com.